0: But right here, buddy, that's a tattoo. Wow, that's David Dunham.
1: Fact or fiction? Eric Dungey had no chance
2: of a to it This is the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show, presented by Pump Monkey Septic Services.
0: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show. Today is Thursday, November 2nd. The Tigers dropped back-to-back games for the first time since 2011 as they fall to NC State Saturday. I'm your host, Drew Archer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Johnson. How's it going, Matthew? As good as it can be.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the next uh, newest episode of Will Clemson Make a Bowl Game in 2023? <laughs>
0: yeah if if I told you before the season started that Clemson would potentially miss a bowl game, what what would go through your mind because that's where we're at right now. I would have
1: thought that there would have been some like catastrophic implosion, like some kind of scandal come out, came out, and like we had to fire half our coaching staff or something. That's what I would have thought it would have taken going into the season for us to be at the point that we are at now.
0: Well, don't forget about the scandal. Remember, Dabo Sweeney is sleeping with one of the players' parents. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to casually drop that in conversation. <laughs> the <to> people, <laughs> relax, everybody. His son is on the team. <laughs> uh, but yes, the Tigers drop a second consecutive game. It's their fourth loss of the season. Um, their third loss on the road this season. Uh, the Tigers will finish up the season with three home games prior to heading to Columbia. So, um, before we get into, I
1: I was just going to ask you before we get into talking about Clemson NC state, I was going to ask you how your weekend in Auburn was.
0: My weekend in Auburn was nice. I'm glad I was there watching that matchup between cats and dogs rather than the Clemson matchup between cats and dogs. Uh, Auburn, um, whooped up on Mississippi state and, uh, It was a cool experience. I did jot down a couple of notes here of things of observations in Auburn (laughs) that I did want to throw out there. So um, if it was not written in the end zone and you didn't see the tiger mascot running around everywhere, you would have no idea that Auburn's mascot was a tiger because they're all about the war eagle stuff. Every cheer was about an eagle. There were no cheers about tigers. Um, no roar, no tiger stripe, anything. I will say the problem is not limited to Clemson. I did see a girl wearing leopard print, so <laughs> she doesn't know what cat she's pulling for. Uh, the tailgating was really, really cool. They, uh, it's very different than Clemson. Uh, everything's very spaced out, and most of the parking and tailgating is first come, first serve. So it's not like Clemson where everybody's right up on top of each other and assigned spots and that kind of stuff. And, um, Overall it was a cool experience. Got to go see um uh, corner after the game with all the toilet paper everywhere. I got about halfway down the next block and realized it was toilet paper stuck to my shoe the whole time. <laughs> um, did you get to throw uh, any? No, we did not come prepared. I was hoping to like snag a random roll that someone like forgot about or something, but it did not happen. We uh right after we walked to Tumor's Corner my brother and my dad and I, we all split up. Me and my dad went to one restaurant and my brother went to another restaurant to see which one had the shortest wait time. And as my dad's standing there with the hostess talking, getting all the information, I look up and Bruce Pearl's standing right behind my dad. And, uh, and just before that, it was this massive dude that came walking. I was like, I bet that's like a basketball recruit or something. And then like literally a minute later, Bruce Pearl comes walking up. I'm my dad, like, turns around. I'm like, hey, do not step back. <laughs> and, this, of course, he takes, like, a step back and I accidentally almost bumps into him. But he turns around, and Bruce Pearl in there. Um, so that was kind of cool. I have and a question. My final... Sorry okay. for the uneducated, but who's Bruce Pearl? The basketball coach that oh, He coached gotcha. at Tennessee, and he's been the coach at Auburn for a while now. Gotcha. Sorry. Sorry, Auburn fans. You'd recognize him if you saw him. Um, my final thing is I know that, like, Triple T's, and I think last year it was a uh, study hall, ends up on this Barstool Best Bar competition every year. And in previous trips to Auburn, I've been to Sky Bar before. I don't know when you went, Matthew, if you went to Skybar or yeah. not. But the previous time that I went, they got, like, right when you walk in the front door, and then they got a cool upstairs, like, open-air bar outside. Um. Then Devin was like, Hey, do you want to go to the boom boom room? And I'm like, What the heck is the boom boom room? And then we walk back, and then there's just like this entire other part of the building that I had no idea existed. This is going to sound like an exaggeration. I'm almost willing to bet that there were at least three to 4,000 people in that bar. Are you serious? it is massive. I had no idea how big, like it stretched back to the next block. Like the entire building is long as a block. And the boom, boom room is a massive room, almost the size of a football field. And there were just thousands of people just packed in there. There was, there's probably 10 to 15 bars spread out throughout that one bar. And I told Devin, I was like, well, no wonder triple T's doesn't ever win this competition (laughs) competing against bars like the freaking sky bar in Auburn. But, uh, overall it was really cool. I, uh, Thankfully did not have to watch that Clemson game because the times uh, of the Auburn game overlap with the Clemson game. I was following along on my on my phone with the ESPN app. And uh, so a lot of our discussion today and uh, insights are going to have to come from you.
1: Well, that's not very good because I didn't write that much <laughs> down. But um, I had a, I had an interesting watching experience this week also. I went to Denver. I flew out on Friday. uh Woke up Saturday morning to three inches of snow on the ground and high of 25 on Saturday. So uh, that was fun. We also got six more inches on Saturday, uh, which was nice. That was fun. Um, me and Rachel, we went and watched it at the Clemson Club of Denver. They like, there's a bar in Denver that does like a Clemson watch party. Um, so we went and watched it there and we actually ran into some people that Rachel had known from school. So that was kind of fun, but, uh, it was, it was cool to watch it in an, in an environment like that. But there was one NC state fan there also, and he was the only person cheering out loud out of anybody else in the bar. And I mean, I wanted to say something to him, but at the same time, Clemson didn't really have anything to cheer for. So I couldn't be like, you know, you're the only one cheering in this bar, right? Because if Clemson was doing okay, I'm sure we would have been cheering a little bit at least.
0: yeah that reminded me there was an NC State fan sitting two rows in front of us at the Auburn game he was wearing an Auburn shirt but then an NC State hat (laughs) so uh, apparently we were all lost this weekend at the wrong place
1: I'll put a video up on the Uh, screen but I took a video I think I sent it to you of uh watching the game at the bar and then zooming in on the window outside and it's snowing it it snowed for six or seven hours straight in Denver on Saturday so very interesting. It was so, nice to come back to the highs of
0: 80s. Well, I had no idea of the weather situation out there till you sent that video, which ultimately uh, benefited me because I ended up taking the under in the Kansas City-Denver game as a result of the weather, uh, which ended up cashing in. So I appreciate you sending me that video. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get into this game a little bit. Uh, Tigers fall by a score of 24-17. to 17. They ch- attempted to make a comeback, but it fell short. Uh, Clemson limited NC State to 202 yards offensively. Clemson has won its last 65 games when holding opponents to 202 yards or fewer. Uh, its last such loss came in 1988 to none other than NC State. Uh, they held them to 185 yards in that 10-3 loss. Uh, Clemson held a 21-9 edge in first downs uh, but now has a, a record of 126-8 and uh, when totaling more first downs than its opponents since 2011. And Clemson I'm pretty been, sure
1: three of those eight losses are this
0: year. Uh, I believe so. I believe you're correct. Um, Clemson has been undefeated under Dabo Sweeney in games in which it held opponents to single-digit first downs. Um, It was Clemson's first loss when holding an opponent to nine or fewer first downs since 2007, uh, nine against Virginia Tech in a 41 to 23 loss.
1: This is a pretty crazy stat to me. I don't understand how a team can score 41 points. That means they have to score at least six times and only have nine first downs. That's pretty, we were giving up some big plays apparently in that one.
0: There had to have been some defensive touchdowns. Yeah, that there, too. I was thinking. In the Red I was
1: thinking like forty-yard touchdowns where you're not getting any first downs on a drive, but
0: scoring yeah. still. Uh, the Tigers held NC State to 138 passing yards and has now held four straight opponents to fewer than 200 passing yards for the first time since a 10-game streak in 2019. Uh, running back Phil Moffa rushed 16 times for 84 yards with two touchdowns. Will Shipley left the game in the second quarter after being knocked out in a helmet-to-helmet collision. Uh, He entered concussion protocol in his game-time decision uh, for Notre Dame's game this week. Uh, Quarterback Kate Klubnick completed 33 of 50 passes for 263 yards. Klubnick's 33 completions were a career high and tied the eighth most in school history, They were most most by a Clemson quarterback since the Sugar Bowl uh, to end the 2020 season. Trevor Lawrence had 33 completions there. Uh, Tight end Jake Brenningstuhl was involved again this week. He recorded a career-high eight receptions for 93 yards. Brenningstuhl combined for 13 receptions for 219 yards over Clemson's last two contests. Uh, Receiver Adam Randall matched his career-high with three receptions, gaining 23 yards, Troy Stilato gained 29 yards on a career-high seven receptions. Tight end Sage Ennis recorded a career-long 28-yard reception in the third quarter. Uh, On the defensive side of the ball, Wade Wood has uh, added a single-season career high with his third sack of the season in the second quarter. Linebacker Barrett Carter recorded his second sack of the season in the third quarter. Uh, The game concluded Clemson's streak of 161 yards game since losing consecutive games in a single season, a streak that dated back to 2011. The 161 game span was a Clemson record and has been the nation's nation's longest active streak. Uh, it also ended Clemson's chances of extending the 10-win season record, um, which sucks. That's one that I've always kind of held on to with pride, the 10-win the streak there, and that has officially come to an end.
1: Yeah, I, it's pretty disappointing that That one's already out out of the window in week nine. If you would have told me that that's how the season was going to go, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But um, one interesting point I wanted to point out about this game is uh, in some of uh, Clemson's other losses, and even in reading out some of the stats that you were just reading, on paper, Clemson has dominated a lot of the losses that they've incurred this season. But Clemson I don't feel like this one felt that way because Clemson never led in this game. We went down seven oh and never had a lead the entire game. Uh I don't know. I, I don't even know. I feel like this is. one
0: felt I feel like this one felt more like the Duke game. Because Clemson did lead in a lot of statistical categories in that first game against Duke, but that game never felt like it at all.
1: Yeah, true. That's, yeah, that's a good point. I felt like Clemson against Duke, like we were moving the ball better than Duke was. And we were, we were just putting the ball in jeopardy and turning it over. And that's kind of the same thing here. There's one stat, I'm going to try to remember this off the top of my head. I saw it on the broadcast, but I couldn't get a screenshot of it today when I was rewatching. But uh, Clemson is second in the nation, at least at this point in the broadcast, second in the nation in red zone trips per game in the country um but ninth in score, red zone scoring in the country so obvious the offense isn't broken we're moving the ball i mean i wouldn't say we're moving the ball fine after this game because we didn't really but overall we're doing enough to win except for the turnovers it's really frustrating um i have one stat here this is tweeted out by matt Connolly, but he's accrediting the stat to david hale so i'm gonna give both of them credit for it uh 90 of clemson's 262 designed runs this year have gone for one yard or less that's 34 percent of our runs have gone for one yard or less and that's 109th out of 133 teams in the country
0: that's insane
1: yeah that's that's really (laughs) bad (laughs) um after the pick six in especially, the...
0: Third, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, especially going into the season, we were hyping up Maffa and Shipley, and there were times earlier in the season where the offensive line looked like it was uh, a little bit better than we thought it would be. Um, so to hear that stat, you said it was 34% of our yeah rushes go for one yard or less? Yep. That's insane.
1: It's really bad. And... Uh, Kind of a side note, but kind of on that point that you made about the offensive line. I don't know if you saw this screen capture going around after the game, but I saw a lot of Clemson fans posting it of one play where NC State rushed one player. And our enti- the screenshot is our entire offensive line standing, looking at one defensive lineman who's playing like a spy type Responsibility on this play, and all five of our linemen are looking at this one guy, and then coming around the backside about to hit Cade is a free rusher that nobody even saw. And our offensive line is bad. I saw a bunch of people. I think it might have been the sidelines or fourth quarter. Clemson account was just like going through the staff directory after the game on Saturday, just posting people's like staff page, and was like, this guy needs to go, and did that for like a bunch of people and. I agree on the offensive line point, but uh, after the pick six in the third quarter minus, if you take away points off turnovers that like we gave up, the score would have been Clemson up seven to three, but instead we're down 17 to seven at this point. So I don't think, I don't think it comes down to anything except for turnovers, but wrapping up a little bit on a brighter note, I am impressed with how the team fought back while being down 24 to seven and then bringing it back to 24 to 17. I didn't, I didn't know that we had that in us and it's nice to see that we can fight back in a game, I guess. Um, but, uh, it's just too little too late. And then I stopped my, I told you this earlier, but I stopped my rewatch of the game after we went down 24 to seven, because it was too embarrassing. I know, I know the rest of the game we were going to actually do something, but just the fact that we were down, three scores to a mid SEC or a mid ACC team and NC state is just embarrassing. This is not where the program needs to be right now.
0: I mean, to your point, if we clean, if, if, if the turnovers are cleaned up, you, you might still have a loss, but I mean, I think you probably still lose the Florida state because turnovers really weren't a factor there in that that game for, if memory serves me correctly, but I don't I don't know what has has changed or what you even do about it but it is just something that just continuously bites you in the butt i, I Tiger Illustrated posted on Twitter was basically along the line saying that teams have figured out Clemson and to the to the sense of all you got to do is play your game don't do anything too crazy and just wait for Clemson to mess up and take advantage and that seems to be what has happened in a lot of these games this season. These teams are doing just enough to hang around, to stay in the game, and NC State's case, lead most of the game or all of the game and just wait for Clemson to mess up.
1: Yeah, I'm on your point about the Florida State game, turnovers weren't a problem in that game except for there was a point where we were in scoring position about to go up two scores. And then that hit fumble on Kate or oh, Kate yeah. got hit blindsided and fumbled <laughs> and they returned that that's the only turnover I can think of. I can't, I can't of forget head. about that
0: one now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. That was a big one there. Um, but yeah, this, that's like we said last week, that is who this team is. And I don't look for it to change. i are we going to just go ahead and assume we're going to have two turnovers every game going forward? I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, I think so because maybe in the first couple games
1: it was a like a tech technical thing that we just weren't doing the right things the right way in practice and on the field, but I think after that and it became a pattern, it it broke morale and I think it's a mental more of a mental thing now that we just can't get over get out of our own way at this point because like we've been talking about we've done enough had enough
0: offensive production to win
1: every game this year
0: and at this point you have to wonder about the, the team's morale in the locker room there like at this point you got four losses before halloween i can't imagine things are all that great in the locker room at the moment and stuff having a mentality like that is definitely not gonna uh help with the turnovers and the mental state and teams know now obviously ball security is not a strength of clemson they're just gonna go for that ball every time
1: yeah and all like you kind of said earlier but all the other team has to do is not turn the ball over and we're gonna give them good field position and a chance to score i think By now, we're over 70 points given up off turnovers this season, which is incredible. That's probably close to the amount of points our team has scored.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yep, and then this uh, for a month now, this stat, it's always the first stat in the uh, game notes that Ross Taylor sends out each week um, in regards to the game. Dabo has been trying to get over that hump as the winningest coach at uh at Clemson. Is it Coach Howard? Yeah, it is Coach or, Howard. Uh,
1: it is Frank Howard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, been sitting on this for a month. I don't know. I feel like that, uh, when if he were to achieve that this Saturday in Death Valley against Notre Dame, it's probably not going to feel the same as he had hoped uh, a month ago when this became uh, an opportunity.
1: Yeah, I'd... I'd... I don't have confidence that Davo breaks this record this season.
0: Like, he only
1: needs one more, and I think we have just as likely of a probability to go 4-8 and as we do to win one more game.
0: Can you imagine a season where Clemson does not make a bowl? I don't remember the last time that happened.
1: 2004 is the last time I can think of, but we were bowl eligible. We just had a self-imposed bowl ban because of the fight against South Carolina that year. Um, That's right. Yeah. Maybe we didn't make a bowl before. I think we might've made a bowl since then. <laughs> That's an interesting stat that we need to look up for next week's episode is.
0: Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, at this point in the season last year, you were still in the college football playoff conversation. And have you not lose the game to South Carolina last year, you would have been in the college football playoff. And to go from scenario to where we're currently at now, where you still have Notre Dame, North Carolina, a rivalry game with South Carolina, and a Georgia Tech team that keeps beating teams they're not supposed to, um, it's kind of doom and gloom right now.
1: Yeah, there's. I don't think there's any bright side to the rest of Clemson's season. I think all four of these teams should be favored against Clemson on the remaining of the schedule. I know North Carolina's dropped their last two to lower-level opponents, but those two teams that beat North Carolina are just as good or better than Clemson. So
0: I will tell. So are you ready to turn the page on this uh... – got off a loss to NC State.
1: Yeah, let's move on to week
0: nine games. <laughs> week nine games, there was some good games. Um like the Clemson game, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of them, just kind of following along on the phone. Uh but Oklahoma gets upset by Kansas. Um what Kansas has done the last couple years has actually been really fun to watch. I hate that it came against Brent Venables and uh, Oklahoma there but the the Sooners dropped their first game this season uh, they fall 38 to 33 did you get a chance to keep an eye on this one
1: yeah this was maybe the only other game other than the Clemson game that I got to watch like a good amount of because it was playing or it was finishing around the same time Clemson was starting and kind of around that point so I did get to catch the end of it it was a really good game and heartbreaker for Venables but I don't think it's anything to hold your head about, because like you said, this isn't the Kansas team that we've all known of the past decade. This is a this is a different team with a lot of talent on it. And not to mention that Brent Venables has already beat his win total from last season in a second year as head coach. Uh, and they've only played they only won six games last year and they've only it's week eight or after week eight, they've already beaten that total. So I don't think it's anything Mm -hmm. to hang their heads about. Oklahoma's future is bright.
0: Yeah. And I don't know what the deal is with uh, Oklahoma and Auburn, uh, but that was the only game that actually kept doing live cut-ins on the video board during, like, commercial breaks. They kept cutting back over to that game to show um, updates from it. So I don't know if hmm. there's some animosity there between Auburn and Oklahoma, um, but the the crowd got a kick out of that when they showed the final score. Um, Georgia Tech. I don't know if you saw this or not. Georgia Tech is undefeated in even number games and winless in odd number games, meaning they've lost games one, three, five, and seven but they've won games two, four, six, and eight. They have Clemson on their schedule uh, for game 10 and Georgia on their schedule for game 12. So um, they could knock off the Tigers and the Bulldogs. That would be pretty cool. I hope they keep that streak alive, honestly, (laughs) because that'd be almost
1: like a South Carolina story from last year where just you have a mid- to low-level season, and then right at the end of the year you – pull off two big upset not that the Clemson game this year would be an upset but I think right now like a lot of ACC teams are still excited to beat Clemson just because they haven't for so long and even though we're obviously not very good right now it still is the satisfaction of getting one over on the guys that were you know beating you down for the last decade so
0: yeah. yeah. Everybody but, wants a piece, piece of Clemson.
1: Yeah. I did want to also point out about this UNC game that this is further evidence for my self cannibalization uh, factor fiction last week about that the ACC is full of equal teams. Um, with North Carolina dropping two back to back, we thought they might be the second best team in the conference, and then they lost two to two of maybe the worst teams in the conference. So, uh, kind of interesting i think uh the acc it's a toss-up this year i did see it might have been david hale again um had posted a tweet and i think i actually bookmarked it on the nachos account and i'm gonna keep talking very slowly here and see if i can pull it up
0: yes i would look for you but i don't know where bookmarks are
1: it is david hale who said uh, i'm not gonna read the entire all the scenarios but there is a possibility actually it's over now i think since unc lost to georgia tech but before this past week there was a possibility that there would be a five-way tie at six and two for the second spot in the acc championship game but that was contingent Mm -hmm. on unc beating georgia tech so i don't think that's that's in the window now but there might still be like a three or four-way tie for second Mm -hmm. as of now so
0: yeah the acc has stepped it up and it seems like any week, any team can beat anybody. Um, and that's evident by what Georgia Tech's done. That's evident by what Virginia did last week to UNC. Um, there's been a lot of good football. There's been a lot of bad football this season in the ACC. Um, headed out west, former Clemson Tiger DJU. Uh, Oregon State gets upset by Virginia 27-24. Uh, to 24. I was Arizona. able to kind of watch a little bit. What I say, sorry. Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Uh Arizona. They did not play Virginia. Uh they got upset by Virginia. Or yeah, Virginia. <laughs> Oregon State was upset by Arizona uh, twenty seven to twenty four. Um yeah, so first loss of the season for Oregon State.
1: I didn't I didn't get to catch this one. I this me reading the show notes was the first time me seeing that Oregon State loss, so uh that one sucks for dj that's in two of the best clemson former products lost their first games this week brent venables and dj ue on okay well this that reminded me of something else i wanted to say from watching the broadcast of the game i completely forgot that dakari collins transferred to nc state uh if you remember him drew he played receiver for us for two seasons and uh transferred away he he caught a pass at nc state and had a really good special teams tackle during the game against clemson
0: i forgot that too i did not remember that so he only had one one completion he might yeah
1: he might have had two but at least up until the point when i was re-watching today i he had one and it was but uh there's one i don't know i guess you haven't watched the game but there's one one punt that nc state had where hamp green for god knows why was our return man all all game and he neglected to call for a fair catch on this one but i don't understand why because dakari collins was flying down the field untouched right at him hamp green didn't call fair catch and just got drilled by dakari collins so probably he was probably lucky that dakari collins is a wide receiver and not a linebacker because hamp green probably would have died
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's uh that's one of those things that perplexes me that we keep putting him back there. Yeah, um,
1: him and but I don't want to hear the excuse that we don't have anybody better or more effective because I think I could be just as effective as Hamp Green on a D one football field.
0: <laughs> and you got some size on him.
1: I got I got a couple inches on him and probably like sixty pounds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, before we move on to our Twitter poll, uh, we got to shout out our sponsor, Pump Monkey Septic Service. Uh, they're owned and operated by Clemson alumni, Alan Powell, and their service Clemson in the upstate area. If you have a septic tank issue or need a quote, and just have somebody come out and look at it. Give Alan Powell a call at 864-710-2211. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Um, they're, they're going to be the ones that are going to come out on a Saturday or a Sunday when bigger companies aren't willing to come out uh, to your property. So uh, remember, Pump Monkey, eight six four seven one zero two two one one. When the dump's funky, call Pump Monkey.
2: Twitter Polls.
0: All right, our Twitter poll of the week. Again, if you don't follow us on Twitter, at nachos underscore analysis, give us... That's where we post this poll each week uh, for you to get your voice heard. Uh, This week's question, a little bit more humorous, because quite frankly, when I was sitting up last night doing these show notes for this week, I couldn't come up with something. Uh, So this is what we ended up with. Things you would rather do and watch Clemson host Notre Dame this week. After having four losses already on the season before the month of November, there's got to be some things you'd rather do than watch a highly ranked Notre Dame team come into town. So the options were uh, be waterboarded, run a marathon, eat kale, and be a South Carolina fan. (laughs) Uh, Before Matthew and I reveal our results, I'll read some of the um, uh, listener responses. Mike B says, uh, this is a bad take. I'm still driving from Mississippi to watch the Tigers. Major changes need to happen to be successful, but always a fan of my university. Hey, Mike, I'm still going to be there. I'm still going to watch, but it might be a little painful at times. Uh, we got a uh, Matt gets in and says, I'm only guaranteed four more times to see the Tigers play, so I'm always excited to watch. Clemson Attic uh, says, never number four, which would be be a South Carolina fan. He said, I'd rather go 0 12 than that. <laughs> uh, he Tiggins, I'll always get a kick out of it. Anytime this account, He Tickens, <laughs> interacts with us, I just love that name. He just responded, LOL, what? And then Clemson Victory gets in and says, why does everyone think we're going to lose? They had 13 points on Louisville and 13 points on Duke with under two minutes left. They had 14 points on Ohio State. They have struggled severely with any team that has had a solid defense. They also have to come to Death Valley. We're winning. So Clemson Victory is confident. The Tigers will be leaving with a victory this weekend. Uh, Matthew, which of these options would you rather do than watch Clemson face Notre Dame Saturday?
1: <laughs> Before I answer, I do, I'll do. i say something about Clemson Victory. I believe you said the account is who said that last mm-hmm. reply. Um, that tweet got sent in a family group message today by one of my family members saying that this person is delusional. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of had a similar theory going into Florida State that for all the doomer saying that Florida state was going to blow us out or that we didn't have a chance that look at what Florida state had done against some other teams that weren't good. And look, we were able to hang in with them. I think this is completely different though. Um, I would choose in this poll, all of the above by bottom two choices though, are running a marathon or being a South Carolina fan. Um, I'd rather be waterboarded and eat kale. Well, kale is good. I don't know why that one is so high, but, uh, I'd rather be waterboarded than be a South Carolina fan or run a marathon. So I'm going with that one.
0: Yeah. Um, coincidentally enough, I Googled like this question because I, I knew that there had been things like this before. And ironically, the first search in Google had a list of a hundred things you'd rather do than watch uh, auburn football or (laughs) alabama or no it was it was arkansas Uh, i think it was arkansas football so it was a lot of it was geared toward sec things and the the option instead of be a south carolina fan in their little web page there was um, be an auburn fan so (laughs) i got a kick out of that and i took a lot of these from that list Uh, i'm with you i like kale you just got to prepare it right and it's kale is not the kale of the 90s where you go to ryan's steakhouse and they just put it on your plate for decoration <laughs> um i um i think i'd rather be waterboarded than run a marathon uh, i've never been waterboarded before but i have ran and a marathon is a long time so <laughs> i'm gonna go with uh be waterboarded um maybe some al-qaeda might uh have differing opinions than i do on that one but who knows um the poll results are uh, the polls, they did not agree with us on kale. Uh, the the number one answer was eat kale at 38%, uh, followed by waterboarding at 27, uh, run a marathon at 25. And there's 10% of people out there that said they'd rather be a South Carolina fan than watch the game Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd go that I don't think I'd ever go that far. Yeah,
1: cuz if you're a South Carolina fan, that means you're going to have to watch an even worse game. Well, I guess South Carolina's yep. going to win this week hopefully. They've played Jacksonville State, so this might be South Carolina's last win of the season or at least until we come to town in November.
0: I hope it's their last win of the season. I went from some not rooting for them, but just hoping that my preseason pick that they would get over what was it 6 wins or 7 wins? Uh, I'm now past that. I just want them to lose every game here from here on out. So <laughs> it's gonna um, be funny if they come if the if it's like going into the week of the
1: Clemson game and they're one win away from it and they need to beat Clemson for your preseason pick to
0: hit. That would be my look this season. That would be my look. Uh all right. Uh in a moment. Uh we've talked about it for a couple weeks now, but uh Ryan Cantor going to join the show, so I appreciate him taking the time to uh, hop on with us. Uh, So without further ado, here's Ryan Cantor. All right, today we're joined by Ryan Cantor of TigerNet and Shaking the Southland. Ryan, uh, it's been a long time coming. I I feel like I reached out to you and canceled on you, and then I talked about inviting you on an episode, but forgot to actually invite you on an episode. So uh, it's finally coming to fruition. So thanks for joining us, Ryan.
2: Yeah, no, I owe you. Uh, I think Matthew created my logo for my YouTube channel, and uh, you were a guest talking baseball. So glad to uh, get you back.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so I'm gonna hit you with a hard-hitting question right <laughs> off the bat. What's wrong with Clemson?
2: <laughs> how how, how do you want me to go?
1: That was kind of a okay. joke question that we had written. Out. <laughs> we kind of thought we would get that reaction, but um, more specifically more talking about the NC State game. Like what are kind of your takeaways from that? I know me and Drew talked on this episode already about um turnover still being such a bad issue and uh but I was kind of interested to see what your perspective was on this NC State game.
2: Yeah, I mean, so sticking specifically to the NC State game, right? If you um if you make that field goal before half, then you avoid the blunder at the end of the game when you settle for the field goal. You go for it. 50-50, you get it, and then you're tied, right? So that's how big that missed field goal was. Um, if you don't have the pick six, which is probably the offensive line's fault, you probably win the game and don't even – that's not even a discussion. So, again, they they make a few crucial mistakes. They're much always on offense, and that's why they lose. They're just not talented enough to make a ton of mistakes. I mean, you think, like, that 2016 game they lost to Pit. How many mistakes do they have to lo- have to make to actually lose that one game? I mean, they just picks in the ends. I mean, they were doing crazy stuff before they finally lost a game. They could get away with it so many times that 2016 game against NC state. They were just horrible and they still pulled it out. And they don't have that huge of a talent advantage right now. That never been, you know, he's not Mario Cristobal, but he's never been a great uh, in game like strategist. And, you know, it doesn't matter when you just are massively more talented and better than everyone. But when it's on the, the edge, you know, that stuff costs you a game.
0: Absolutely. So if Ryan Cantor was king of Clemson for the day, day one, what are your priorities with fixing this program?
2: Yeah, look, I can't do what Dabo's done in the past. Uh, Obviously, he's a Hall of Fame coach. And honestly, like, I wouldn't be a good coach, right? I don't know the X's and O's in that level of detail. Dabo's ability to just relate to high school kids, like, can't do that. Uh, Let alone recruit them, Right. But I do feel like there's, like, some stuff where, like, let me be – you don't have to pay me. Just let me be your veto guy. Like, just let me t- – no, no, that's very dumb. That's a very bad decision. Like, I don't need football experience. I don't need to be an analyst for 10 – some of the stuff's obvious, right? Like, for three years, we just don't use the portal at all. And I'm not saying we should be Florida State, but, like, coming into the year, I was saying we should probably get a defensive end and a wide receiver seemed very obvious to me and Davil, on the other hand believes in Maskell and Bo Collins and Adam Randall like why why am I right and he's wrong he's watching them in practice he's he was a wide receiver he was a wide receivers coach and my analysis of Adam Randall is better than his to me I feel like he's such a relationship guy that it's actually like he can't see as clearly because he knows him personally he knows his mom you know he loves the kid whereas to me it's more like they're fantasy players right so I'm just looking at them completely objectively and I think It's not like he forgot football. So that's the only thing that makes sense to me is, is not looking at it as objectively as we are as fans. I've never met the guys, right? So it's easy for me to be objective. Um, so yeah, so you're talking about things I would do. I would get the best coaches. I I wouldn't get guys that have personal relationships with, um, because I think it's awkward. I, I wouldn't want to hire my best pal to report to me because if he's bad, that's could be super awkward and ruin a friendship. Um, so I wouldn't do that. I would get the best coaches available. Imagine if Sam uh, Sam Pittman from Arkansas is available, uh, elite wide, uh, offensive line coach. I mean, I would love to have him on, the, on staff somehow. Um, and I would, and it's awkward now because it's, it's kind of made it awkward, but I think you have to replace starters who are currently starters that are on offense that are not, great they're okay they're not bad players they don't stink but they're not as good as guys in the portal find guys who are better than them especially if they're not seniors right and say hey you're gonna have to sit for a year you're not the best option right you're gonna that's gonna feel icky and it's not gonna be as fun uh for dabo at least but i think those are some obvious things he's gonna have to do if he wants to actually uh be more than a fringe top 25 program moving forward
0: You bring up the the awkwardness of of hiring former players and, and people you know well. I can't remember where exactly I saw it this past week, but someone brought up the point that don't hire someone that you can't fire. And Dabo surrounded himself with a lot of people that, if you have to go and fire those guys, there's going to be a lot of awkward conversations. Um, It kind of leads into my next question. You brought up Sam Pittman. Uh, I think the two personalities of Dabo and and Pittman on the same coaching staff would be quite interesting. But um, what staff changes do you see actually coming to fruition this offseason?
2: I mean, who knows, right? Like, I mean, I could totally speculate, and I will for fun with you, but uh, (laughs) – I think there's a lot of guys who are a one-year, like this is their last year of their contract, so he wouldn't have to fire them per se, right? He can just give them a different contract for a different role. I think that's probably feasible. I mean, the offensive line guys are regressing. Their PFF grades are going down a lot of the time. Uh, offensive line is a huge issue. The recruiting class right now isn't good, so I think that uh, is not a good sign if you're the offensive line coach. Um, wide receiver, they do have great wide receivers coming in. Right, so that's a check in Tyler Grisham's box, um, and the wide receiver play. You know they don't have elite wide receivers, but <clears throat> I guess what I what I'd want to know is, did Tyler Grisham believe that Bo Collins and Adam Randall were a great one-two punch on the outside? If he believed that, I think that's that's a commentary on him. If he was saying, Coach, we need to go get someone. These guys are good quality players, but they're not national championship starters. And that said. No, we don't do that. Then. You can't blame Grisham, right? So that's where I don't like to I don't like to go after individual coaches, but I do like to go after the process, right. Like CJ. Spiller, he's never coached Drake, never an analyst, nothing like that. He's a track coach in high school. You bring him in, he's an unpaid intern for a year, and you make him the coach. Do I think he's a bad coach? Not really. I think he's actually done okay for the most part. I mean there's some things I critique. Shipley's not developed for, for one. Um, but I don't think he's terrible. I do think that process of how you chose him is terrible right he's your marquee recruit that you love and have a relationship with so you bring him in and rush him into the role that's a bad process it's not a knock on him that's a knock on the way dad was doing things which is different
1: yeah i agree with that a lot um moving on a little bit to this coming week uh me and drew just recorded a very pessimistic podcast about this upcoming game but uh what are you kind of looking for slash expecting uh coming up against notre dame this week
2: I mean, uh, this is probably the least I've ever looked forward to a club's game. <laughs> I mean, I've got to watch it because I want to be able to talk about it intelligently and write about it. And I just, I don't know, I can't. If the if games don't have to be watching, it. I'll be going crazy otherwise. But I mean, they physically manhandled us last year. And we brought, you know, four guys back on the offensive line. Obviously, one's hurt with Walker Parks, but we're somehow worse on the offensive line. We were told we had all this depth and we're struggling at right guard. We had to move a left tackle there because our both backup options have struggled. And, uh, Mitchell Mays and Harris, Sewell, really, really low PFF grades um, at, at right guard, even though we're supposedly you know, 10, 11 deep, which obviously we're not. So I, I don't see how they don't manhandle us physically even more than before. Um, we're at home, so that's, that's better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to go into it expecting to lose by – Two touchdowns or more and uh just kind of reset my expectations and if we do better than that then you know at least I'm not miserable you know coming in I picked us for the year I said we'd go 11 and 1 maybe my one loss or not maybe but my one loss that I picked was actually at NC State because uh, I kind of thought it was a trap game in between Miami and Notre Dame so we'd win both those so I got that one right but you know I've been disappointed you know three other times Where I was expecting something very different, so now I'm changing my expectations.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's about where both me and Drew are at right now. Is I'm just kind of going to this game as a fan and looking to have fun at the game and not worry. Like, and that's not dependent on the outcome of the game. I just I know going to Clemson, I've been going my whole life, and I have a great time going to Clemson football games no matter what happens because I grew up in the Tommy Bowden era, so I've been through it. So. Uh, I think that's
2: well, it's, never had a year worse than four and four in the ACC. So we're might be worse than any year. Yeah. We're creeping
1: crash. up on that. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan, you were, you've been very outspoken on the transfer portal and Clemson's kind of lack of utilizing it. Uh, obviously there's some holes in the roster and in, in last off season. They've, they made attempts at a couple guys that just didn't come to fruition. Um, do you see them having a little bit more success and going at it a little bit harder this year and which which position group might you see a little bit of uh, improvement through the portal
2: yeah i do i think last year i don't think dabo is like against ever using the portal no matter what i think he's just a, he's been tentative to replace a guy who is a starter who's not great but isn't bad and does things the right way and is all in and tries you know and doesn't doesn't deserve like hey you're not doing you're not all in you should be replaced he's not you're not going to win a championship with that kind of guy he's been hesitant to replace those guys but when you go six and six or something seven and five we'll see where we end up um i think it's a lot easier to do that right so Uh, I also think that last year uh, he, and it's not totally his fault, so let's give him a little grace. The COVID year is really weird. He didn't know, uh, I think no one expected both Rook and Tyler Davis to come back, right? Um, And Jalen Phillips and Sheridan Jones both came back, obviously different spots in the secondary, but I think he just didn't manage the roster and didn't see all that. Um, So he kind of, uh, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but wasted a scholarship on Paul Tyson and then i've heard like I, I was really hoping they'd go after um his name was Debo debose uh receiver from charlotte or, or ali jennings receiver from old dominion there was a lot of options obviously jamari thrash at Louisville was killing it and he was at georgia state so i think we can recruit at louisville's level right um but he didn't see that he had room obviously those spots open up but he's very conservative about um kicking guys off scholarship who are former walk-on so he played a little too aggressive in giving out scholarships to freshmen, to not safe space, and then too conservative with his expectations of attrition. This year, the recruiting class is small. There's room. I think I'll, I think you'll see people transfer out after a six and six tumultuous year, where it's probably not a lot of fun to be a Clemson football player right now. So I think there'll be plenty of room. Um, I expect him to take a defensive end. If not, Cade Denhoff is your starter next year. Um, so I, I think if he doesn't take a defensive end, then... He's not giving us his best at that point. You know, best is the standard. That means giving your best, not going fifteen to zero, right? But I think if he's not trying to get a defensive end, that's not his best. I think maybe Trotter maybe comes back, but if not, I think you got to get a linebacker, um, maybe a safety, depending on who leaves. Um, Mickens, I, I feel like Mickens and Venables could both be back, and then you still have Sherrod Koval and Khalil Barnes. So that maybe is about we're okay. On offense, I'd love to see him go out and get a wide receiver. Otherwise. You're just putting a lot of pressure on uh, Wesco to be a, you know, day one starter. And I think that's unnecessarily risky. And then the biggest question is you're going to bring back a ton of guys in the offensive line. Uh, Putnam's gone, but you could bring back four others. Are you willing to replace one of them? Who's let's just say doesn't have a good PFF grade this year with a guy who's older than him. and Traditionally better than him. You know, over the course of course, are you willing to say you were a starter last year, but you were okay. You, you, you don't stink. You're not a bad kid. You're not going to be all in, but this kid's better than you, so we're going to bring him in. I don't know if he'll go that far, but I would be stunned if he brought zero guys in, especially at the defensive end.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really looking for an offensive line uh, upgrade, and I know me and Drew don't pay that much attention to recruiting, so we have, we're not sure about exactly what the offensive line incoming class is looking like, but uh, I like one point that you made is that A lot of fans probably overlook is that it's easy to make these roster management decisions without that personal aspect that you get from recruiting these kids in high school and you know kind of Dabo's main goal is to make them into clumps and men and stuff like that so i think he does lose his focus on the output on the field a lot um and focuses more on that off the field type stuff and keeping those personal relationships growing
2: you're, you're definitely right. And it's funny because it's, it, it, it cuts both ways when, when that was still true, but we were winning national championships. I remember I wrote an article, I forgot the exact title, but something along the lines of like, it means more. I definitely didn't use the sec phrase, but something like <laughs> it means more when you win the right way or something like that. And it was about that. Like we're doing everything the right way. We're not cutting players. We're growing them as men. Talked about how like, One of the players got baptized after doing something wrong. And he genuinely does care about them as people. And he would say that the winning national championships isn't the main goal. And that's that ring like so beautiful. And was like, take my money up day. This is great. But now I was just listening to him pretty recently on the family values podcast with with David Pollack. And he said, you know, winning's not the number one goal. And now when you're six and six, didn't you say that? And they weren't that bad at the time, but like now it sounds really bad so i'm admitting my own hypocrisy there right like (laughs) you're winning and characters number one it's amazing even if you're not winning championships but when you're bad and you're not acknowledging that that is still what you're paid for then to me it sounds bad
0: yeah true yeah it's all about perspective Uh, fans are willing to put up with or enjoy things like that when you are winning but when you're saying things like that in the midst of a, a four and four season it uh comes across a little differently especially the best Uh,
1: is the standard quote uh when you're four and four it doesn't sound very good to have that plastered on the wall everywhere
2: yeah well the most true quote was the fun is in the winning yeah not a lot of fun right now right i wonder if you'd say that again
1: we actually talked about that uh one of our factor fictions this week was uh is clemson football is not fun anymore and i kind of brought up that point is that if the fun is in the winning then you're right but then I also brought up the fact of growing up in a Tommy Bowden era and having a great time during that. So it's it just depends on your perspective of where you're looking at it from.
0: Yeah. Well, Ryan, uh, I really appreciate you taking some time and joining us. Uh, always great following along with you on Twitter and YouTube and uh, you put out great content. So I appreciate it to all our listeners. Check them out on Twitter. Tiger net shaking the Southland, uh, Ryan, we got to do this again. Maybe, uh, maybe baseball season.
2: Yeah, definitely check me out on YouTube. Just search my name, Ryan Cantor. Uh, thanks for having me guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right. Thanks to Ryan for joining the show. If you do not already give him a follow on Twitter at Ryan underscore Cantor writer for tiger net and shaking the Southland, uh, does a lot of good, uh, videos as well. On YouTube. So, uh, Uh, Thanks again, and it's always a pleasure chatting with Ryan. Uh, Matthew, before we hit that transition, I did want to uh, point out something. We just got an email from Ross Taylor. The ACC has announced its conference schedule uh, through 2030 just now. We know all of our conference games, which usually we did in the previous setup when we had divisions, but now with no divisions, it's kind of – up in the air each year. So next year, tell me what you think about this. At home, we get uh, Louisville, NC State, Virginia, and Stanford. Um, away, hit Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and Florida State. It's not horrible. It could be worse, but
1: I would. I am hoping that the ACC is going to have to restructure a lot of these schedules after us in Florida State hit the road.
0: Yeah, and what we've uh, produced this season and put out there on the football field is not a, in my opinion, helped our case. But uh, so yeah, Stanford coming to Clemson next season, um, in twenty twenty five, SMU will come to town, and then the Tigers will travel to California in twenty twenty six to take on Cal.
1: Interesting. That's another uh, game that why another reason why I think. I want to leave the ACC even more now, but for a different reason than I did at the beginning of the season, and I want to get away from SMU because if trends keep happening how they're happening now, we're going to get destroyed by them every year.
0: <laughs> I'd be interested to see what their conference schedule looks like starting next season How and how much travel, especially Cal and Stanford, are going to have to do.
1: I don't even want to think about what their budgets are going to have to go up to.
0: All right. Factor fiction.
2: Factor
1: fiction.
0: Factor fiction. Cade gets benched at some point in the remaining four games.
1: I don't know. I'm going to say fact, but I don't think it's going to do anything because we don't have anybody better on the roster. Maybe CV, Chris Vazina, but right now on the depth chart Hunter Helms is number 2 and if we pull Cade Hunter Helms is going in and i think the wor- the offense is going to be worse without Cade so yes it will happen because he's just Cade just isn't doing what he needs to do to win ball games right now so uh, i think at some point you got to go for some you got to take a look at somebody else like Dabo would have never given DJ four four losses to work with before bench.
0: Something that I was reading on Tiger Illustrated that someone pointed out um that I found kind of interesting. The way Clemson recruits at the quarterback position, like they'll they'll tell that quarterback, hey, if you commit, we're gonna shut down our recruiting for quarterbacks. You're gonna be our guy. And that goes counterintuitive to every other position that you recruit for and Dabo's always talking about the competition, iron sharpening iron, and the guest guy, the best guy will play. If you're a, a quarterback looking to come at Clemson, you don't have competition. You don't have to worry about if you have a bad game, someone stepping up and taking your spot uh, because that's the situation that, that Cade finds himself in right now. Um, I'm going to say fact I don't think he's going to get benched to the point where he's not going to start a game, but I could see a scenario where he throws a couple picks, puts a team in a bad position and he gets pulled uh mid game at some point, preferably the Georgia tech game. I don't want to see it any other game. Honestly,
1: I wouldn't be surprised if it happens this week against Notre Dame, because I could just see it in my mind of Cade getting maybe a little ahead of himself and turning the ball over early and, I mean, what do you do at that point when your quarterback isn't giving you a good chance to win? Like, maybe at that point, if we're turning the ball over as frequently as we have been, then maybe Hunter Helms is the answer because he'll probably protect the ball better.
0: He has a 100% interception rate when facing Notre Dame. If you remember, he came in and threw that interception last season and immediately got pulled right back out and put DJ back in. Cade does or... Hunter Helms. Wasn't that Cade or was it
1: uh, Cade? Oh, I thought you were talking about Hunter Helms. So hopefully that doesn't oh, continue.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. factor fiction Clemson basketball will finish better both nationally and in conference than the football team this season
1: i'm going fact again i think at this rate all the basketball team has to do is win two conference games and then you outdid the football team this year so i know the schedule is a little different you play twice as many games in basketball but i guess if they if they win four conference games then they outdid the football team so i think it is right up the alley of brad brownell's squad to get that done and make clumps in a basketball school
0: yeah, this is big facts. Uh, the basketball team, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, they were projected to finish fourth in the ACC this season. Uh, P.J. Hall, first team, preseason All-American. Um, this team, this is setting up for a good season for Brad Brownell and Clemson basketball. Um, Clemson basketball is also something that I do not get invested in, and I just watch from afar because – I don't like dealing with the heartbreak and the ups and downs of these basketball teams but i feel like i can say confidently that this squad is gonna outperform both in conference and nationally this football team factor fiction clemson football isn't fun anymore i don't know
1: i th- i my first response is to say no but then i go back to the past decade and Clemson's motto was that the fun is in the winning that everything else is hard work but you when you win is when you get to have fun but if that's the case then we're not having very much fun right now but I, I'm leaning towards disagreeing with this because I grew up in the Bowden era where Clemson going eight and four was considered a good season and I was still having a great time following Clemson football at that time and probably loved it even more than I do now. So uh, I'm going to say fiction here.
0: I uh, I was originally going to say fact, but I, I think I am going to go fiction there, similar to you growing up a Clemson fan, spending every Saturday in the fall up there. Um, I may not like what I see on the football field Saturday, but I'm going to have a fun time in Clemson. Um And to your point about fun being in the winning, um, I think we've just got spoiled as Clemson fans because, like you, I grew up Tommy Bowden, Tommy West, and those were not fun times, but I still enjoyed it and love Clemson football. So I'm trying to uh, rework my perspective um, and be thankful for the (laughs) last decade of Clemson football. Uh, while also trying to uh, enjoy what we're currently experiencing. So I'm going to say fiction. Uh, Clemson still is fun. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, damn
1: it, I did it again. You said something that I had something to say, t- to, And then for, as you were finishing, I lost it because you said something else. So I'm just not on it today. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, well, last week I had the flu brain. So you just yeah. you got jet lag. Well, speaking of the flu brain, it really worked out for you, and we'll take that into our pick 'em contest.
0: Weekly picks. Yeah, it was a big week for me. Uh, I did not have a lot of confidence in myself. I think I mentioned as we were throwing these picks out last week, when I got to my underpick, Air Force Colorado State, I was like, I don't remember making that pick. <laughs> I don't remember why I decided to go with that pick. And that made me feel like this, was, this week was just going to be a colossal failure. Um, that was far from the case. Um, I got all four picks right this week. Uh, I don't know between – I know it hasn't happened this season, and I can't remember a time last season uh, that I got all four picks mm-hmm. correct. So um, super pumped about that. Um, Matthew? you went the opposite direction.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> drew, drew really had his flu game last week. Uh, if anybody here is a Jordan fan and drew had his 1997 flu game last week where he came in sick, but still performed, put up the numbers. So I think Jordan had like 48 or something in that game. So congrats. Congrats. I've learned it might've been a food poisoning game <laughs> instead of a flu game. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. But, uh, Not in your case. We'll say you went through the full (laughs) flu and still prevailed. But yeah, uh, none of my picks hit last week. I had Ohio State at Wisconsin. That was Ohio State favorite by fourteen and a half. They won by fourteen. Not mad about it.
0: That was brutal. Uh, Yeah,
1: Um, my underdog pick missed wildly. Georgia or Georgia State was only an under a one and a half point underdog to Georgia Southern, and they got their ass beat. I think it was like a thirty point loss which i could have seen it coming i was just having hope for the sake of that rivalry that there could it wouldn't be so (laughs) one-sided um also had colorado ucla on the over that was a lot more defensive than i was expecting and the oklahoma kansas game went over while i picked the under and uh that over hit pretty early in the fourth quarter too so wasn't even that close so just trying to get back on track this week
0: yeah, big, big, big week in the season total shakeup. Uh, Matthew still at 16 points. I move ahead for the first time this season uh, with 20 points, so a four point lead. Um, my favorite pick, Duke versus Louisville. I knew that was going to be contingent on uh, if Riley Leonard played. Yeah. Um, Louisville absolutely smoked him 23 to nothing. Um, I, I had a, a strange feeling about this Clemson NC State game. State was only a 10 point underdog. Uh that was easy money right there. Uh Tennessee, Kentucky. Uh we were actually at Skybar watching the end of this game when that over hit. I was telling my dad, I was like, every time I pick Tennessee in an overgame, uh, it always hits. And then the the game that I was really concerned about or confused why I picked it. I didn't remember picking it. The Air Force Colorado State game under hit there. So um Big weekend and not to rub it in even more, Matthew. But um, this was the best gambling weekend I have ever had. I went seven and zero these four picks, and I went three and zero in the NFL yesterday. So um, should have went and bought a lottery ticket.
1: Yeah, congrats on that. Congrats on winning <laughs> some money. Um, I wish it wouldn't have happened against me, and also in the same week that I go zero and four. <laughs> It's a huge yeah. point swing. Probably <laughs> the biggest point swing in our pick'em contest history.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, twenty points on my end, sixteen on Matthews. And I was thinking about it. I never ended up hearing back from the folks we were trying to work out the punishment with. I got to reach back out to them. Uh, otherwise, we got to come up with a punishment. So yeah, I was thinking um, about more that. More updates for that to come.
1: I was thinking about that hard since I today since i'm looking very unlikely to win after last week (laughs) um i was thinking about that about the wean challenge or national championship prediction tattoo oh god but hopefully we turn that around this week let's just go ahead and move into picks for week is this week 10 coming up yeah week week 10. 10 All right, so for my favorite, I am going Texas A&M, or they're not favored, but Texas A&M plays at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is favored by three. Uh, I think they're going to take care of business at home there. Texas a and I don't have a lot of faith in as a team. So.
0: Uh, I'm going with Notre Dame, uh, minus 2.5 points on the road at Death Valley. Um I understand some of the comments that we've seen uh notre dame's offense has not been prolific um but with a team with the athletes that they have and the mistakes that clemson makes uh specifically with turnovers um i don't look for it to be this close
1: yeah notre dame's offense isn't prolific but neither is nc state's and they were up 24 to 7 on us <laughs> uh <laughs> So um, moving to underdog, I am going, staying in the ACC this week, the self-cannibalization league that will probably not hit for me. I'm going Georgia Tech, they're plus two at Virginia. I thought that was an interesting line. Virginia's not looking very good this year. They have that one good win against North Carolina, but other than that, they've looked very poor all season. So I don't really expect the momentum to continue after that. They might have uh, some hangover time after that, uh, that big win.
0: I like that pig. Uh, I'm going with the service academies, uh, army and air force. Uh, air force is an 18 and a half point underdog to army. Army is a, is a much better squad. Uh, but in a rivalry game like this, I look for air force to maybe uh, keep it a little closer than people expect.
1: I hope so, because for my over, I'm going with Army at Air Force. Uh, That's plus or minus 32 and a half, which is (laughs) maybe the lowest over under we've ever picked on this show. And I know it's going to hit the under. I just know it is because I picked it. But I just have like I can't see 32 and a half and not pick the over on it. But I know Vegas is just out there baiting me to do so.
0: And it's not the lowest uh, point total this week. I believe it was uh, is it Minnesota, Iowa yeah. that I sent in our group message earlier this week <laughs> at 29 points. Um, that, this is absolutely brutal. Uh, for my over, I'm going Ohio State Rutgers. Uh, point total in that game, only 43.
1: Hmm. I would have expected that to be higher. That's a good find yeah. there um and lastly for my under i'm returning to the acc i'm going uh fsu traveling to Pitt this week that's plus or minus 51 right now and uh i don't know i could see it s- sticking with the under but i'm just going to put some faith in the florida state offense getting it going
0: uh for my under i'm going to the sec uh the missouri tigers at georgia uh, the under is 56 points. Uh, I think this might be a little bit tighter defensive game uh, than many expect. Possibly. I, I would, it may be in the
1: first half, but Georgia, I think, might run away with that. But Missouri has looked really good, a lot better than a lot of us thought they would this week. So, mm-hmm. Or, I mean, this year, I mean. So uh, let's just get it over with and talk about this uh, Clemson-Notre
0: Dame game. <laughs> All right, Notre Dame comes to town Saturday. Uh, the Tigers lead the overall series 4-3. to three. Uh, The record at Clemson is 1-1. One one. Uh, the win came in, obviously, 2015 in the big hurricane game. The loss came all the way back in 1977. Uh, the last meeting was last season on November 11th, so just one day. On the calendar, actually, a, a year and a day separates the last two times these teams have met. Notre Dame won 35-14 there in South Bend, uh, with Notre Dame having a one-game win streak on the Tigers. Clemson's attempting to improve to 14-3 and three at home against AP Top 25 teams since uh, 2011. The Tigers are attempting to record at least one win against the AP Top 20 team in Death Valley for the ninth consecutive year. Clemson's last season without a win against a top 20 squad came in 2014 and that's games played at Death Valley. I just want to Uh, butt in here. Sorry. I just want to butt in here and say, I think it's about
1: time we stop using these since 2011 stats because it's going to make us look a lot better than we are currently. And it made sense when we were doing it, when we were still on the up and at the top of the college football landscape. But as of now, like, when we say, like, oh, we have the most quarterback sacks since 2012, like, it doesn't mean that much anymore because we had half of the NFL on our roster back then, and I don't know, I couldn't name one guy that's going to play significant time in the NFL on our team right now.
0: (laughs) And on that note of NFL lineman Grady Jarrett out for the season with Mm. a torn ACL I saw earlier today. Um Clemson is attempting to defeat Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman as a starter for the fifth time. Hartman obviously played at Wake Forest. The Tigers uh, beat them four consecutive years while he was at the helm there. Uh, Clemson is entering the game having rushed for a touchdown in 50 consecutive home games. That is the nation's longest active streak. Now we're going to do uh, – we're going to attempt to do a trivia <laughs> question this week. I royally screwed that one up last week, Matthew. So um, – If you'll indulge me, I got a trivia question for you. Yeah, let's do it. Who was the last team to hold Clemson without a rushing touchdown at Death Valley? So 50,
1: the last stat that you read was that 50 consecutive home games, which is going to go back to 2015, possibly. So I'm, it's, Did we lose at home? I guess we could have won in a game we just didn't have a rushing touchdown in. Um, It was not in a loss. It was not a loss. So uh, that's going to make this way harder. I'm going to say it's 2015. But I cannot pick out the game that it was. Maybe. I can't even think of any. I'm just going to say. I can't even think of a game a team we played at home in 2015. <laughs> um Notre Dame. Yeah, that's that's what that's what I was going to say is Notre Dame is the only team I can think of off the top of my head we played at home that year. But I thought that was was that not the 2016 season or is that the
0: 2015 season? Um now you're asking me questions that I got to think. Um That was in 2015. I,
1: okay then I don't think that's correct, but I'm just going to say Notre Dame 2015 because that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head.
0: You were close with your math. Is, uh was actually 2016. Okay. And the opponent,
1: Troy. Okay. We have talked about this game a good bit on this podcast, so that, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. I thought, I remember, like, our home win streak was creeping towards 50 and the last home loss had been pit in 2016 so i was just kind of assuming that the 50th would be in the season prior to that but i guess the pit loss happened in november so we had already had a few games at home that season so that makes sense okay Mm -hmm. sorry sorry guys
0: yeah no you're good you're working it out (laughs) that was a hard one i would have never gotten that one um there are only five current fbs schools to have played Notre Dame at least five times and have a winning record against the Irish. Um, Clemson is 4-2 and all-time against Notre Dame. Uh, They're in the company of Florida State, who is six and is 6-5 all-time, Michigan, who is 25-17-1, Nebraska 8-7-1, and one. and Ohio State, who's 6-2 and two against Notre Dame all-time. So um, some uh, good company to be in with these opponents, especially – those Nebraska teams back uh, years ago. Wait, sorry. Uh, and th- thing- At the beginning,
1: we mentioned that Clemson's overall record was 4-3 and three against Notre Dame. Is this stat a typo, or is the overall a typo? I can't remember. Ross now Taylor's got to get his stuff together.
0: <laughs> Let me do a quick little uh, winspedia. Well, actually, that's where I got the information from originally. I think the four and three. Just again. I think the four and three is
1: right, but I'm going to, in this intermission, take a bathroom break.
0: All right. Matthew's taking a bathroom break. I'm fact-checking myself. Uh, they are four and three. Now, I'm trying to find that stat. It's
1: the one that on the show notes is the second to last
0: point. Well, I'm trying to find it in the actual notes he sent out. Oh, gotcha. Because I copied and pasted it, so he might have an error there. The one time that I did find an error that it he had, it actually wasn't an error. I was <laughs> stupid and misread it and actually emailed him, so I looked like an idiot. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it.
1: The uh, reason, But the reason why I wanted to even challenge this point was just the fact that we might not be in this company anymore of being with Florida State, Michigan, and Nebraska, and Ohio State, as the teams who have beat played Notre Dame five or more times and have a winning record against them because, spoiler alert for the next few minutes of this podcast, but I think we're losing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I did confirm also in this fact that he does have it listed as 4-2 against Notre Dame all-time, which contradicts the very top of the page where Clemson leads the series at four and three.
1: Well, I, th- I think the four so, and three is correct. I remember that happening after we yeah. lost to them. So,
0: well, we're not going to throw any shade at Ross Taylor. He does a good job. We just happened to find a minor mistake there. Um, all right. Thoughts on this matchup, Matthew, actually before that, on this date, the game will be played on November 4th. Clemson is 10 and five all time in games played on this date. So, uh, history's in our favor, at least here and the all-time record against the Irish.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the goal for this game, at least personally, is just to get drunk and have fun. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to this game with any expectation of winning, nor do I even think that we're going to be competitive in this game. In my book, we have almost a 0% chance to win, and uh, almost to the point that I'm considering making taking my sports betting virginity by putting money on notre dame i've never bet on a sports game like actually other than like our friendly competition and like fantasy football and stuff like that i've never like put my own money on a sporting event so uh i might might i thought you did one time last year maybe i don't remember though i might have talked about it do you remember what game it was
0: I don't remember. I just remember sending you the information for the sports book that I use. And I thought you might've, cause I know you're. Oh yeah. Then.
1: I remember. Yeah. I do remember that. I didn't, I didn't end up going through with it, but that did happen because it was getting to a similar point at last year as it was this year, where we just knew that Vegas was favoring us way too much in games and it's free money taking the under against on Clemson games right now. So do it before Vegas gets their mind. Right. Um,
0: the line opened at three, and some books three and a half is now down to two and a half. So uh, the line is moving in favor of Clemson, believe it or not.
1: I even saw somewhere posts like the Circa Book in Vegas had Clemson as just a one-point underdog
0: to Notre Dame at one point today. Somebody sent me that the other yesterday, and I saw that, but I was like, I've never heard of it. It might not have been that book, but there was a book that I'd never heard of that had it like one or one and a half.
1: And well, I if it like, is if it is Circa that that there's one they have a casino in downtown on in Vegas and i think it's a newer one downtown because it's like way nicer and new newer modeled like remodeled than any other casino on in on the not the strip but like downtown Fremont street in Vegas i don't know if you've ever spent much time in never been you've never been to Vegas at all Nope. Oh, well, then that doesn't make any sense to you because uh, <laughs> Vegas has like two very popular areas. Like the Strip is where like Little C, not Little Caesars, <laughs> Caesars Palace, <laughs> pizza, pizza. <laughs> Caesars Palace and the Bellagio and like all those big casino hotels are on the Strip. But then like a couple miles away, there's downtown, which is kind of like the historic casino district of uh vegas that it's fremont street and there's a bunch of casinos on there but circa side note has a really nice casino out there they have like a sports room where it's just like a hundred feet wide of sports screens and you can just like walk up there and place your sports bets and go sit in like a theater style seating room and watch sports all day like any hour of the night it's really cool so uh i think circa
0: is legit (laughs) Harris Casino in, uh, North Carolina has a new, uh, sports book, uh, with a similar type setup up there that I want to try to maybe at some point this football season, maybe after college is over and go to an NFL Sunday up there and, and do that. Yeah, that, that would be fun. And, and watch there. Um, but, uh, one thing that I don't, it, at this point, it's just speculation and rumor. I don't know if you saw your, the text that your dad sent of a screenshot of a tweet that some, Kate Klubnick has been seen with a boot around campus this evening.
1: I did see that, but I wasn't sure where this is coming from. I mean, I would never have seen Kate on campus before, so I could, can't confirm or deny, but it's pretty interesting if
0: so. And, gotten... Go ahead. This guy basically said he saw Kate in a restaurant or his or his friend saw Kate in a restaurant with a boot on. So a friend of a friend of someone who we don't know on Twitter.
1: (laughs) Sounds very Mm -hmm.
0: reliable. So Yeah. You heard it here first on a podcast recorded on Monday that won't release till (laughs) Thursday, and by then you probably know the answer. um you got a score prediction or any other final thoughts on this game
1: yeah i had one more thing and we've kind of talked about it earlier about morale of this team and i can't think of a time in my lifetime where morale for a clemson team has to be lower than it is right now and if we can't get fired up or even like to a point where we could be competitive in this game, then there's not even a point of fielding a team for the other three games this year. Um, I don't know. This is... It'd be less embarrassing, I think, if we just forfeit the rest of our games and finish four and eight than to actually go out and lose the rest of the games. So this one's is very contingent on the rest... Or the season is very contingent on this game for me because if we go out and embarrass ourselves, I i think it's over it's a it's a wrap for the 2023 season for clemson and don't even expect to beat south carolina
0: well it it had been so long since clemson has lost back-to-back games in a single season you're staring in the face three losses at the moment Uh, If you don't show up and perform against Notre Dame, when was the last time Clemson's lost three games in a row? Yeah, that I don't have an answer. I don't, um, (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) It
1: it might've been been 2010, but I don't even know if it happened in 2010. Yeah. So, but yeah, score prediction wise for this game, I'm going blowout, 28 to three Notre Dame. Clemson doesn't even find
0: the end zone. 28 to three. Um, I saw someone pose the question when the lines are released for this game. They're like, does Vegas apparently does not get the CW channel out there <laughs> uh based on the way that this line is. Um this line has me confused, which and I, I do understand Notre Dame has not been a juggernaut offensively this season with the production that we've seen out of Clemson's defense this year. I could definitely see it being a close game. Um you do have to factor in the fact that Pumpkin's offense is going to give up the ball, and Notre Dame are going to, is going to get some points off turnovers. Uh, I still think that Notre Dame wins this game. I do think that it'll be close, or at least I'm just trying to stick close to what Vegas is putting out there. So I have Notre Dame winning 24 to three, or excuse me, 24 to 20, uh, and the Tigers head into the Georgia Tech matchup with a potential of four in a row uh, in the loss column. And
1: that's, we're going to be entering a game with a losing record for the first time, well, other than week two, but for the first time since 2013 in week two when we entered with a loss. But I mean, this far into the season, when was the last time Clemson went into a game with a losing record? It has to be 2006 or 7 or before.
0: I will say 2021, they did start the season. Uh, with a loss to Georgia oh yeah Um, I forgot about that year but but yeah no uh this late in the season yes it's been a long time since Clemson's had a losing record um uncharted territory for a lot of those one and a half percent fans that Dabo uh referenced again I pose the question how many losses Dabo do we have to have before you're content with the amount of bandwagon fans that we lose. Uh, Because right now two in a row doesn't feel good and three in a row doesn't sound any better. So um, I don't know. You you hope that the team will get up for a game like this. Um, You know the fans will be. I think the the fans will be in this game early. Um, And as long as you give them something to cheer about, they're going to remain in this game and be on your side to help – as best as the 12th man can, but um, I don't know. There's been some games this year, myself included, where a lot of people leave at halftime because uh, they don't like what they're seeing out there on the field. So uh, I think the fans will be behind this team, uh, but with a short leash.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. And on a side note, before we wrap up, I did just want to point out that I almost got the score right last week. I was two points off of the Clemson score prediction. I predicted twenty-two to seventeen NC State, and it was twenty-four to seventeen NC State. So maybe we should start doing uh, one point in the Pick'Em contest if you get the score right for the your Clemson yeah, score d- prediction.
0: Yeah, if you get it exactly right, yeah, I think that's worth two or three points.
1: Okay, I don't think any of either of us has ever done it. <laughs> gotten it right, no. but it would I think it, I think it
0: would be worth it so yeah, I'm open to including that next year so um, but uh, thank you all for listening again. Uh, thank you to Ryan Cantor for joining the show. Um, join us next week as we review this Notre Dame game and we preview the Georgia Tech game. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. follow us on all social media platforms and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.